We're so glad you chose to join us this morning to worship God, or if you're watching this playback, we're glad that you joined us to worship God together with with this online campus. Uh, I, as I was just preparing my heart for, for this morning, I was thinking about a scripture that I read, like in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. And of course, we know that we were bought with a price. But knowing that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, if you were in a church building this morning, I would say to you, it's great to be in the house of God. But looking at you online this morning, I'm telling you, it's great to be the house of God. And I, I just encourage you to have that realization that as you worship with us this morning, the Holy Spirit is inside of you and you can worship God in spirit, in truth, and in unity with the rest of the body of Christ because you in fact are the temple of the Holy Spirit this morning. And God's inhabiting you as he inhabits your praises because you are his people and he inhabits the praises of his people as we talk about almost every week. And so as you prepare your heart to worship this morning, I just pray that you have an awareness that as you worship, the Holy Spirit inside of you is helping you to worship in a more perfect way, that God is listening to your praises. And as you praise, he, he goes to work in your life to help you to hear more clearly the message coming. Speaking of the message this morning, we're continuing to help I wreck my, I'm not going to spoil the surprise on what comes next, but we, we're going to have a great message this morning where we get a lot of um, knowledge from God about everyday life and practical things, and it's always good and it always has spiritual applications. So what we're going to do is we're going to join the worship in progress right now. Thank you, Jesus.
you're a miracle worker, Jesus. So we're just going to meet with you here this morning, Lord.
waymaker, our promise keeper, our light in the darkness, because that is who you are. We want all of you today, Lord, every word from you, Lord Jesus. I pray that we have eyes that are open, ears that are open, hearts that we touched because of you today. In Jesus' name we all say, Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, worship team. All right. Turn to someone. There's lots of new faces here today. Turn to someone you don't know and say good morning. We're happy you're here. I didn't realize that we were actually possibly going to be able to get a home uh, that my wife is tremendously good with finances and everything like that. I was not uh, <laughs> for a long time. I'm better now, but I could definitely tell, my wife could tell that she was gonna need to do some of the heavy lifting. Like on, <laughs> we hadn't been dating for too long and then I got laid off and I said to her, I was like, hey sweetheart, don't worry, I've been poor before, it's totally not that bad. <laughs> One of those phrases that when you hear the final word leave your mouth, you're like, that wasn't right. That's, that's not what you wanted to hear. <laughs> because I always thought that I, I would be better at money. I think I'm a fairly smart dude. I, I remember early on when I was young, finding out what my IQ was, and then somebody else said to me, it's like, hey, don't get, don't get bogged down in just one number. One number doesn't dictate how smart you are. <laughs> or, how good you are at one thing. And then, then I learned what a credit score was. And uh, I learned that's just one number that really does dictate how smart you are at one thing. And, and if you haven't been paying attention, it's too late already. That's... All right. We are going to be talking, like I said there, about finance today. We are in our sermon series, How I Wrecked My Life, and today it's going to be How I Wrecked My Finances. So, did you know that 16 of the 32 parables that Jesus taught were actually on money and finance? And that there are over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible that talk about finance. I did not realize myself before I started preparing for this message how much the Bible talks about our finances. So it is an important thing to the Lord. And in the Bible, we see some people who were very successful with their money and some that maybe didn't do as well with it. You know, and, and I'll be honest with you, as a young man, I struggled with my money situations. I'm, I'm, I do better now. I got married. And so that helped my situation a lot there. But uh, today, we're going to look at some solutions. And there's no condemnation here today. There's no judgment we are all a family. We're going to try to dive into this and see what we can do to help each other. You see, our lives are like rooms in a house, and they're all interconnected. You know, you've got your kitchen, and you've got your living room, and your bedroom, and your bathroom. And then in your life, you know, you have your finances, and you have your personal health, your mental health, your physical health, your relationships, your hobbies, your job. These things are all interconnected. And if you get a fire in your kitchen, well, that smoke, it spreads throughout all those other rooms. It has an effect on those other rooms. Same thing, if you have one area of your, of your life that is, that is out of whack, well, just because we're talking about finances, hey, if your finances are not right, it affects these other areas. It affects 
your personal relationships. It affects your physical health, your mental health. They all are interconnected. And God wants to be part of this. And he has given us a perfect plan of how to live a balanced life. But there's one thing, one catch to that. We have to submit our whole house to the Lord. We can't say, Lord, you can be in every room, but that kitchen's mine. You, you got to stay out of the kitchen. Same thing. We can't say, Lord, you got to stay out of my finances. We can't hold any part back. It all has to be submitted to him so that he can work in it. Because when everything is good in your house, it affects all other rooms also. When your finances are good, you know, it affects your, your relationships. It, it, it can go positive or negative. There's benefits to it every time. Now, to be a true disciple of the Lord, you know, we, we have to submit our lives. Like we were just talking about there, we need to submit those lives to the Lord. So today, we're going to look at a lady in the Bible, and we're going to look at her story, and her finances were in horrible, horrible shape. And we're going to be in 2 Kings today, and we're going to be in uh, chapter, excuse me, yeah, chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. One day, a widow, a member, excuse me, one day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elijah asked. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Nothing, nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled them one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on what is left over. So let's just, let's just start right here. Who is this widow? Well, she is the wife of Obadiah. And he said, well, who's Obadiah? Well, back when King Ahab and Queen Jezebel were ruling the land, Obadiah was, uh, was their chief of staff. And if you remember Queen Jezebel, she ordered for all of the prophets of God to be murdered, every one of them to be killed. Well, Obadiah and his wife, the widow we're talking about here, they rescued 100 of these prophets. They hid them away from her so that, so that they would not be killed. Well, now in doing that, they were responsible. They needed to feed these prophets. They needed to clothe them. They needed all their personal uh, care items. They needed to take care of all that for them. So that's what they did. And scholars believe that that's where this, this widow's debt came from. You know, they were heroes for saving these, these prophets. But it, it made a, a huge debt for this lady. Now, during ancient times, women were regarded as inferior to men. Wow, I didn't get a single reaction out of that. Okay, so just so you know, here at Heartland, we do not feel that way at all. We love the ladies in this church. 
All right, well, you know, back then also, you know, she wasn't, because she was seen as being inferior, she wasn't able to get a job and earn money to pay these creditors. So what happened back in those days, if you owed money, they would come and they would take your children and they would make them slaves. They would work for small wages so that they had to work for years and years so that debt paid off. Now, in our Thursday night service, I saw some of the parents there going, huh, if I don't pay this visa bill this month, would the creditors come get my kids? Well, you know what? Fortunately for the kids these days, it doesn't work like that anymore, parents. So, so you don't have, to, don't have to worry about that, kids. So, you know, sometimes our finances are a wreck because of something we did. You know, and this, this is what happened to me. Young, I got my first credit card. Well, what, what do we do when we get our first credit card? You go max that sucker out, man, right away. So I get a second credit card and a third credit card. I did it to myself there. But maybe sometimes somebody else did something to you. Maybe somebody stole your identity and really put you in a, a bad situation. Or maybe something just happened. You know, maybe your, your hot water heater blew up and it, now you got to buy a hot water heater and you got to replace carpet and things like that. Or, you know, a storm came and took your roof off. Sometimes things just happen. But we're not here today to see about putting blame or pointing blame or where, you know, who's at fault here. What we're just, we're going to look today, we're going to try to find solutions, things that can help us get through this. So first things first, when our finances are a wreck, we need to start by seeking the Lord first. If you look right there in verse one, it said, she cried out. Now that sounds simple. You know, that first thing we do when we got a problem, we go to the Lord. You know, this widow knew that God was her only way out, that he was her source to get out of this situation. She had tried everything. And don't, isn't that what we do? We try every possible thing. You know, we, we do everything we can in our power, and we go to the Lord last in prayer. When that should be our very first thing that we do every time, get the Lord involved in that situation. See, when you open in prayer with a problem, what you do is you allow the Lord to come in you open a gate, open a door for him. The Lord doesn't just force his way into your situations. If you've got a problem, you have to invite him in there to be part of that. Then he can start working. He can start moving things around to, to, to fix that situation. Now, I understand money is a very private thing. And I'll be honest with you, this is one of the, the sermons that a lot of pastors don't like to preach, you know. Because it is such a private thing. And I'm from the South, in case you couldn't tell by the way I talk. Uh, down there, you know, we talked about religion. And we talked about politics. We would even talk about each other's mama. But I tell you what, you did not talk about personal finance. Man, you want to kill a Thanksgiving dinner? Start talking about Uncle Ed over there being broke and needing to borrow some money from somebody. Man, that would kill a, a Thanksgiving dinner right there, right off the bat. But you see... The solution to our, our problems, the answer is right there in front of us most of the time. In verse 2, it says, nothing at all except for a flask of olive oil. That's the only thing that widow owned. And God wanted to use that. He does the same thing in our lives. He wants to use what is right there in front of us, what we already have in our hands. We see this concept throughout the whole Bible. You know, when Moses brought the Hebrew people out of Egypt, and he's standing there at that Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army is coming down upon him quick. What did he have in his hand? He had his staff in his hand. 
And he raised that staff and parted the Red Sea. You know, when Goliath was standing out there in front of the Israeli army, and he's talking to his smack about how he could whip all of them and, and dare them to come out there and take him on, and a little shepherd boy, David, shows up. What did David have in his hands? He had a few stones and a sling, and he slayed that giant. Even Jesus himself, when he was preaching Sermon on the Mount, you know, it comes time to feed those people. And there was a little boy right there who had some fish and he had some bread. And he fed 5,000 people, 5,000 men, not including the women and children. And they had leftovers. God wants to use what's right there in our hands. You know, so many times we think what we have is not enough. Well, I don't have anything or what I've got is not good enough. So what do we do? We start trying to get creative. Sometimes we'll look at it and go, you know what? That lottery, man, that lottery is at $78,000,000, and, man, I'm going to buy me a lottery ticket. That's going to fix all my problems right there. Or, you know, maybe we, we start investing into cryptocurrency. Now, I don't know about you guys. I'm not real smart. I'm not even sure what cryptocurrency is. So it sounds like something from Star Trek or Star Wars or something like that. But, or maybe we go get a second job, and we start jumping from job to job to job, trying to chase this situation and fix this situation. When God wants to use what's right there in front of us. What are we doing with what he's given us? You know, what about the possessions that we have? You know, we all have so much stuff these days. So to change our situation, you know, there, there, there's a few things we can do out there. Let's just talk about our possessions for a moment. You know, I see, I see families, and it'll be a family of four. And they got 13 cars and 73 motorcycles and kayaks and boats. And maybe, maybe it's time to get rid of some of those possessions in our life. You know, our time. What do we do with our time? There's an app on our phone. Pastor Heath showed me this, and I didn't like it after he showed it to me. But there, on our phone, it tracks how much time that we spend on Facebook and YouTube and all that. How much time do we spend watching TV? You know, these things, maybe, maybe we need to go ahead and get a second job with that extra time. Like I said, this, I knew this was going to be a hard message today for, for a lot of us to hear. And I'm guilty of 90% of what I'm, I'm telling you today. So we have to understand that God pours into us when we're pouring out. Verse 5 said, so she did as she was told. She took that olive oil, and she started pouring it out into those jars. Now, those jars are 30 gallons apiece. I've seen these before myself. Those jars that she collected was 30, were 30 gallons apiece, and she's got this little flask there, and she starts pouring that oil out of there. And what does God do? He starts blessing the oil that's still in that flask because she's pouring it out. She's using what she had in her hands. Now, if that, if that widow wouldn't have been obedient to what God had told her. Because she could have said, you know, this is all I got left. The creditors are at my door. This is all I got. I got to hold on to this. She was obedient. She was pouring out what she had. And God blessed that oil, that oil that was inside that flask at that point. Now, if she hadn't have been obedient, there would have been no miracle there. That, that, that's the thing, important thing we need to see. She trusted in God. She did what God had told her to do. Now, back then, they were a, a, an agriculture-based society. And so, you know, olive oil and things like that, that was their kinds of currency. 
And you know, this blessing of pouring out, we see that in Scripture. And that is, uh, that is nowhere truer than when it comes to tithing. You know, tithing they talk about in the Bible. Malachi 3.10 says, bring me a tenth. Now, back then when they were an agriculture-based society, like with that olive oil, you know, that meant bring me a tenth of your wheat, bring me a tenth of your sheep, your fruits, your vegetables, things that you produce. Now, today we're more of a currency-based type society. So I'm just going to be honest with you right here. Yes, it means 10% of your, of your income you bring to the house of the Lord. And I've had people ask me before, you know, was well, that gross or net? I don't know. That, that's up to you and God, you know. I don't think it's a huge, at least in my life, it's never been a huge difference in those two numbers. But, but I'll tell you right now, when you, when you are faithful with that 10% that God asks you to be, he will bless that 90% that's left over. And I'll tell you right now, you can do more with a blessed 90% than you can with an unblessed 100% in your life. You know, we need God to move in every situation of our lives. Now, we're going to need a plan. You know, we can't, we can't go through this without a plan. In verse 3 it says, And Elijah said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. See, Elijah had gotten a plan from God. He knew what, what God was going to do in this lady's life. And each of us, we have, to get a, we have to have a plan in our life. You know, it seems oversimple. Just go to God. You know, how do we get our plan? We go to God and we pray. And then what do we do? We listen. We listen for what he tells us. We may not like what he says. He may say, hey, it's time to release some stuff. It's time to, to do something different. And it's a very simple step, but that's what starts everything. Now, maybe once you get your plan, you need some more information. Maybe the information you had before didn't work for you. Obviously, it didn't if your finances are in, in a wreck. So where do we get this information? We join a small group maybe at church, who's talking about finance. We read some books on finance. Listen to a podcast. There are literally thousands of podcasts that talk about how to make money, how to get out of debt, uh, how, to, how to better manage your money. So listen to a podcast. Get some financial advice. Find someone who will do some financial counseling with you. Now, unfortunately, when I was young, the way I got my financial advice I'm in the lunchroom at work. I got Billy over here sitting next to me. He's eating a bologna sandwich on stale bread and just as broke as I am, but I'm getting my financial advice from him. You know, we don't want to do that. Find someone who is successful with their money and ask them, hey, how did you do this? Can you help me? Can you show me? Get that advice from, from people who are successful. You know, God has many jars that he wants to fill up in our lives. We've just got to stop resisting and hesitating in this moment. Now, your plan is going to entail a budget. And I'll tell you, that word right there is one of the most hated words in the English language. Because immediately when you hear budget, you think, oh, no, I don't get to have any fun. I'm not going to have any money anymore. But really, what the word budget means is that you're taking control of your money. And you're telling your money where it's going to go. What is, where you're going to spend it, how it's going to behave. Because without a budget, you know, at least I've, I've noticed in my life, I get paid on Friday, and by Wednesday, I'm broke again. Where's my money? God, I don't even know where it went to. And without a budget, we're going to continue to live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. So we've got to have this budget. 
And I'll tell you, don't go in by yourself and create a budget. Then go in there and slap it down on the table and slide it to your spouse and your family and say, hey, this is how we're, this is how we're gonna live now. That will cause so much trouble in your life. Talk to your spouse, talk to your children. Take time, explain to your children why you're going on that budget. Hey, we're not going on vacation this year because we're trying to get some bills paid up. Teach your kids how to manage their money when they're young so maybe they don't have to go through what we went through or what you went through with, with that financial crisis. Now, as we talk about people who have wrecked their finances, finances, this is Dave and Sharon. And I want to tell you the story about Dave and Sharon. In 1983, Dave and Sharon, they were a young couple. They got married, and they bought a foreclosed house. And their idea was, hey, we're going to fix it up. We're going to flip it. We're going to sell it, make a little money. Well, they did that. You know, Dave had learned a little bit in high school. He'd learned some basic carpentry, a little bit of plumbing, a little bit of electrical work, learned some stuff from his dad. So they were able to do that. Sharon would go in, and she would do the painting on the walls, do little projects in there. And they fixed this house up, and they sold it. And they made $800 profit. And both of them were hooked at that point. Now, you think $800, that's not a lot of money. But this is 1983, and they were a young couple just getting started. So they continued to buy houses and fix them up and flip them and turn them around. And they even at one point, there was a little small community in their town that had a bunch of foreclosed houses. And they bought all these houses and put them together. And they made some of them rental houses. Some of them they flipped and sold. This young couple, after three years of doing this, had a portfolio of $4 million. Imagine that. A young couple gets married, and three years later, there were $4 million. That's about $11 million in today's money. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Well, in 1987, Congress passed what was called the Competitive Equality Banking Act. And what this was, it allowed banks to merge, some to be taken over, some went completely out of business. Well, with this new ownership of these banks, these banks started calling in their lines of credit and, and the loans that they had out there. And Dave and Sharon, well, they owed about $1.2 million. Now, they didn't have the cash to pay it because it was all tied up in their homes, so they filed bankruptcy. So, and that was in... Uh, that was in 92, or excuse me, 83, so 88, they filed bankruptcy. My numbers got messed up in my head there. 83, they filed bankruptcy. So in five years, this young couple had went from being broke to being worth $4 million to being broke again in that time. Well, this, this bothered Dave internally, and it, it's, it, it, it burned at him. So he started on a quest. He wanted to find out how money was, was made, how it was used, how people held on to their money. So what he did, he started, he would interview everybody that he could. He would talk to them and find out, hey, how did you keep your money? How do you make your money? He read books, but the most important book that he read was the Bible, what the Bible said about money. Well, Dave and Sharon, they discovered a new way to live. They learned how to live without fear of credit. They learned how to live without that, that huge home equity loan hanging over their heads. And when they figured this out, they started sharing this with other people. Now, in 1992, Dave wrote his first book, and he self-published this book. And that, that book is called Financial Peace. And yes, this is Sharon and Dave Ramsey right here that we're talking about. And they, 
you know, Dave is now a, a, a very well-respected financial advisor. He has helped millions of people to get out of debt. He, uh, he has a radio show. He has a podcast that he does. He's written several more books. But the thing that, they, that they've done is they remembered the book of the Bible that they read. And they help others. They've helped others to get out of this. Yes, Dave had wrecked his finances. Dave and Sharon both had wrecked their finances. But their story wasn't over. They used what God had given them. And they, and they let God help them in that situation. And now they've helped millions of people to get out of debt. So one valuable lesson that we can learn from Dave and Sharon was we don't have to do this alone. You know, that widow, she went out and she gathered these jars from all of her neighbors and her friends. We don't have to go at this alone. See, that's what the enemy wants you to think. He wants you to think that you are the only person that's got financial troubles, that I'm the only one that screwed up my finances and all y'all got it perfect. I'm out here by myself. That's what the enemy wants to do. That's a lie from him, to isolate you, to, 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 to cut you from the herd. First Peter 5, 8 talks about how the devil is like a lion. And if you've ever watched any of those nature shows, what do those, those lions do? They get that one gazelle cut away from the herd out there by itself. Then they pounce on it and they devour it. That's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to think we're the only ones that have, have screwed up our finances. You know, we're all so busy trying to keep up with the Joneses that we forgot even who the Joneses are. The average American household right now, this is, this is an average for every household in America, is $100,000 in debt. That is a crazy number to me, $100,000 in debt. You know, it's time for us to, to humble ourselves and, and change the situation, be honest about our finances. You don't have to go out there and put all your, your personal business and your personal finances out there on Facebook. I'm not saying that at all. And maybe these finances aren't your fault. Maybe something catastrophic happened. Or maybe you did like me and you got that first and second and third and fourth credit card and you did do it to yourself. It doesn't matter. It's okay. You're not alone. The body of Christ is a family. We need to start helping each other. Maybe, maybe you don't have financial trouble right now, so maybe you're the one that can help someone else. Help someone else set up a budget. Help someone else see uh, where they're, they're having problems with their money, managing their money. Because here's the thing. Eventually, each and every one of us are going to need help. Maybe it won't be finance, but maybe it'll be a different area of our life. We've got to continue to realize we are one body. We are a family here. So let's be honest here. How do we apply this to our lives? First off, We've got to be honest about our finances. You know, when, when you're with your close friends or your close family or someone you trust, you know, that's not the time to always go, oh, yeah, we're doing good, doing good. You know, that, that's the standard answer. Hey, how you doing? Oh, oh, we're good, man, we're good. Take a moment. Talk to someone. I'm going to push this even beyond finance. You know, I just went to a men's retreat, and I saw some guys I hadn't seen in a long time. You know, when, when your close friends out here ask you, hey, how you doing? If you're struggling, maybe you take them to the side and say, brother, I'm struggling right now. Sister, I'm struggling. 
You know, this message, it's about finance. But honestly, just since I've been standing right here, the Lord is talking to me about the body of Christ and us loving each other and taking care of each other. You know, I was in the back when the worship music was playing at first and I had tears running down my eyes. And I thought, you know, why? Why is that? I couldn't believe that the Lord allows me to stand up here after all that I've, I've done I've wrecked my finances so bad at times, and now you're going to allow me to stand up here and talk about finance. So Lord, thank you for that. Anyway, let's get back to our application slide. Um, we've got to take financial baby steps. We've got to move through our finances. Now, as you leave today, each of you will receive one of these cards. And Dave Ramsey uh, has a plan, and it's his seven baby steps of how to get your finances in order. And uh, if you need help with this or explaining it to you, see me or see Pastor Don. But you don't, you don't go to step number two until you finish step number one. So each of you guys will receive this on the way out. What I'd like to do at this time is take a moment and we're just going to be silent for a few minutes in prayer here. And then I'll... Uh, I'll close this out. So if you guys could go ahead and bring down the lights. Lord, we just pray right now for the people who are watching this that need a breakthrough financially. You care immensely about our welfare, and that includes on this earth financial welfare. I pray that you help us to be good stewards, and as we're being good stewards from this point on, to help us to get through the rough patches. Even if we've dug the ditch and drove the car into it ourselves, you are still merciful, and I, I just thank you for that, Lord. I pray for the shame to be broken off of anybody who has messed up in the area of finances, who's just completely destroyed and wrecked that area or it's wrecked even out of their control, but they still feel the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. I pray that you set them free from that right now and the stigma that comes with that. I pray, Lord, for you to give us each, this, each, each of us the strength we need to stick to the plan that you give us and to push through it until we see the other side. And we thank you that you are not just with us when you give us the plan. You're not just with us when we get to the other side of that plan, but you're with us each step of the way so that we don't have to go alone. And I pray that you send people into our paths that help us to walk alongside of us, just like the Holy Spirit, and keep us motivated to do this your way. And we thank you for your blessings in every area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'll tell you, this is one of those services where if you know how to hear from God, you're already a step ahead. But if not, just like Glenn was saying in the message, it's, a, it's as simple as asking God for help, and God will answer that prayer. In the first chapter of James, he talks about um, if we don't have wisdom, if we lack it to ask God who gives it liberally. And, and if you ever look at that, cha that, that uh, chapter in the context of that, he actually wants us to ask. It's not just one of those things, well, okay, since you asked, I'll tell you what... No, he desires that we ask. So don't live in shame. Don't live in guilt and get God's plan and move forward in God's way. All right. Well, uh, we're so blessed to have you here at Heartland at Home. 
Yes, I said we are blessed. We are blessed because it's always a blessing to connect with other believers. There's something that happens when believers get in unity. God just just connects and knits our lives together. And I just want to encourage you to realize that you're part of a family at Heartland at Home that is people who love God and people who are learning to love people the way God's called us to love them. So if you want to reach out to us, you can email me directly at mark at churchoftheheartland.com, or you can even text me at 574-549-3680. And if you need anything, you have an urgent prayer request, I will get that and I will pray over those and I will respond to those. So, um, and it's a blessing to me. It's never, just like I was saying for it, just like God wasn't put off by you reaching out to him. He actually desires that. I'm never going to be put off by you reaching out for prayer requests and things like that. And the ones that I've been getting, I'm praying over for people who need things like uh, they're looking to have God make a way for them to to relocate closer to people they love and care about, for God to to save lost loved ones and all these other things that are coming through. You're connecting with other believers who are going to agree with you in prayer. So I encourage you to reach out. So we're continuing the Help I Wreck My series next week. Uh, I encourage you to tune in again. And just uh, as you can see, this isn't a condemnation. You're so bad because you wrecked this or that area of your life. It's all about looking at the restorative power of God in our lives because he is the one who can restore anything broken and wrecked beyond recognition. He can bring it back to life and set it on the path that he intends. So you saw that in the beginning. If you were watching the countdown, who is your one? I just want to encourage you this week. God puts, God will put on your heart someone to reach out to, to pray for, to connect to, to try to get them closer to God than they are right now. And that could be a lost person. That could be someone who's already saved that needs some encouragement. You, and it may be someone you're looking at their lives and you think, oh, they don't need anything. They're doing pretty good. You don't know. We have, um, as humans, we tend to have a, a, projected image we put out to the public that's that differs from the real us and some people put on a brave face and act like they have it all together and inside they just are needing something to to give them encouragement and move them in the right direction and so you could be that someone or something and i encourage you to follow god's promptings and go reach out to your one this week so Coming up, before you know it, we're doing Seek Week. That's when we're going to connect and we're going to pray live. Different pastors from Church of the Heartland are going to come into this studio and we're going to pray live for an hour from 6 to 7 a.m. Some of you guys are saying, that's great. I'm I'm up and getting around. Some of you are saying, not me. That's way too early. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting started on my day and processing things. Uh, if that's you, that's fine too. We're going to record it and you can watch it later and pray together. But I encourage you... Whether you're doing it live or you're doing it uh, later, or as the old commercial goes, live or Memorex, right? Make sure you're connecting with other believers praying. This Seek Week is going to get us orientated closer to God than before we started it out. Uh, Also tell you to connect with us on social media. If you've already done that, you probably noticed that our activity is growing by the week on, on, on ways we're reaching out. Just different encouragements and different video clips. Uh, follow us on that social media. You can follow us on, on our Facebook page. I definitely recommend Heartland at Home Facebook page, but also at the 574 Koth is how you can find us on Twitter or X. I, I'm still not used to calling it X yet. 
And then we also have uh, Instagram and you can find us on TikTok as well. So I definitely encourage you to connect with us in those ways as well. Speaking of uh, looking for other ways, visit our website, go to Church of the Heartland and check out the Heartland at Home page. Uh, we're going to start filling that up with other media and other things you can reach out to. Uh, and I also encourage you to fill out a connection card. That's that's those When you fill those out, those also go to my email. And I see those and I pray over those as well. And I definitely want to hear from you. All right. So appropriately enough, as we talked about finances today, this is one where God talks about tithing to the entire nation of Israel. Now, if you read your Bible, you can't get 14 chapters in before the, the concept of tithes is introduced. When Abraham was giving his tithe to Melchizedek, uh, who was called by God to be a priest to him. Well, the word tithe is, is, sounds real fancy, but it simply means tenth. That's all, that's all that means. And it's a principle that God introduced. It says, make an offering. Notice that word offering. Offering would be above the tithe. Uh, of 10%. Oh, sorry. This is the tithe of 10%. Make an offering of 10% of all the produce which grows in your fields. Bring this into the presence of your God. Now, another other versions you'll see, it says, bring it to the place the Lord has put his name upon. And as Christians, God will put some place, he'll put his name on, on your heart to reach out and give to those places. If it's heartland at home, then I encourage you to listen to that prompting. Trust me, Satan's never going to tell you to give money to, to a charity that, that loves God and loves people. That's just not how he's going to do it. So if you're feeling that prompting, it's definitely the Holy Spirit. Um, so I encourage you, if that's the case, make that just as much as you make it anywhere else, and, and God will open up blessing in your life in all these different areas. And it's not about bribing God. It's about unlocking the generosity in your heart that is the same as the generosity of God. And so when you're making that offering, just understand that it is in fact an offering to God because of your love for him and help him and, and he'll help you to love him. And again, as we talked about earlier, love others more perfectly. So how to give is you just go to our website, click on Heartland at Home and click donate. And uh, as I said, those that, that money goes directly into this ministry to minister to people. And we are working on things to have even more ways to reach out, more ways to um, equip you in learning more about the Word of God, more about prayer. Um, just stay tuned because, again, we are all about loving God and loving people and connecting with you any way that we can, that God leads us down that path. We're going to do it. So we love you. We hope you have a blessed week, and I'm praying for you. Be encouraged because the Lord is good, and he loves you. And let's be blessed this week, and let's be a blessing to others. Have a great week.